last couple of weeks, many of you who have been with me, you have noticed uh, that I have lost my voice a number of times or it gets cracked. And how many know that? And you say, I wonder if pastor's going to make it through the message, you know. And uh, uh, last week I was starting to lose it. But the second service, uh, I mean, God gave me strength and we got through totally fine. I don't know what it is about the first service. It's generally this service that I lose my voice. And there seems to be a connection to how much sleep I get. If I get... uh, uh, four and a half hours or less, uh, I notice I'm usually in trouble. Uh, last night, I got five hours. It was kind of broken, so uh, I believe I'm going to go ahead and make it. So you just be praying for my voice. I, I, I would appreciate that, uh, especially in our second service. going to be having a lot of guests and visitors. And uh, hey, I'm so excited about the series that we're in here this morning. Uh, if you missed last week, I really want to invite you, Calvary. And those who are guests, I would really encourage you to go ahead and listen to last week's message online. It's free. Go to our website. Uh, We talked about the promises of God, and we talked about what those promises look like and how God fulfills promises. And it's really important to see how God works in those areas. We know that God's timeless promises, they're there for you and I for a life of fulfillment. Say fulfillment with me. Amen. That's good. 3,500 years ago, God made four core promises to the children of Israel. God made these promises and he wanted to his children, the the children of Israel, the Jews to experience these promises because he recognized that in experiencing these promises, that their life would be full. Their life would be fulfilled. And by the way, those promises that were made to the Jews thousands of years ago are for us here today, to Gentiles, to, to those who are followers of Christ. Those, those core promises that God has for the children of Israel, also he has for us. They're for all mankind. Do you remember the story of the Jews and the story of the Passover. How many know the story of the Passover? Just raise your hand, okay? It's a pastor. I, I, I understand the story and, and recognize the concept behind that. And it's a fascinating story, the Passover. In fact, each year there is a feast called the Passover. And, uh, and, and they get together and, and they gather in homes and you see it there in the Bible and it's been celebrated throughout the century for thousands of years. And, and it's a feast and it's a meal and, and where they get together and, and they'll have a, a, a number of different things. They'll have a, a loaf of unleavened bread and, and there's lamb that's served and bitter herbs. But one of the things also that's present at the Passover that is that they would drink from four different cups. And these cups, okay, represent the promises of God for their nation as well as for their individual lives. This morning, in fact, over the next four weeks, we are going to be looking at the four cups, okay? And and how the Jewish people celebrated the Passover with the cups. So basically what would happen is they would read 
a passage of scripture, which we're going to be looking at. It's going to be our main theme. They would read Exodus chapter 6, and there's four statements in there, the four I wills, the, the four promises of God. And after each statement, okay, they would go ahead and, and they would pray, they would talk about it, and then they would pass the cup around and they would drink from that cup. Each one, okay, I want you to understand this, each one of these cups represents a promise, a promise that God has made, not only to them, but a promise that God has made to you and something that God wants you and I to experience. So I want you to go with me. In fact, I, if you brought your Bibles, go with me to Exodus chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible uh, here on Sundays, we do go ahead. We pass. We put the scriptures here on the screen for you to be able to see and to follow along. This is the this would would this is the passage of scripture what Jews okay read during the Passover feast, and here's what was said. Therefore, say to the Israelites, this is God speaking to Moses, that I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, and I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. And I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Highlight there in your Bible, okay? <laughs> Put it in quotes, underline it. Therefore, I will, I will free you from being slaves to them. Okay, I want you to underline that phrase right there. God is telling Moses to tell the people, the Jewish slaves, what we call the four I wills, the four promises. And God, here's what we need to know. We need to know these promises. The reason why you and I need to know these promises is because we're on a spiritual journey. Uh, and we're, 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 we're either going in one of two directions. And some of you are here today and say, well, I'm not really at maybe on a spiritual journey with God. And I would say, yes, you are. Because God didn't just make you a body and a soul, but he made you as a spirit man. And your spirit is on a journey either getting closer to God or it's on a journey that's getting farther away from God. And, there, and in every single person here on planet Earth, there is something deep inside of our core being, something inside of us that says, I want more. I want to experience more of God. I want to experience the reality of God. So you're searching. In fact, everyone is searching. But the sad thing is many people are searching in the wrong direction. And we're hoping that God would point them in the right direction. So the first thing that God wants to do on your journey he says to the, to the children of Israel, he says, I will bring you out. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Here's what God is, is saying to them. He says, my focus, he says, my, my mission here is, is to get you out of Egypt. I'm not here to change you. I'm not here to, to make you give. I'm not here to, to make you pray more. I'm not here to get you to go to church, okay? I'm going to come and rescue you from the current condition that you are in. I'm coming to save you. So here it is. God is this. He's wanting to, to pull the people out of the nation of Egypt, coming to rescue them. 
one of my favorite movies. Uh, we were discussing this, Pastor uh, Chris, uh, as we were coming back from, uh, uh, from Alabama, we were talking about our, our, our top five favorite movies uh, or ten movies, and we were kind of going through the list. And, and I don't know how I missed this one, but it, this was right there in my top three, Saving Private Ryan. Anybody see that movie by any chance? One of my absolute favorite movies. And the premise of the story is... is uh, is Private Ryan, it's based on a true story, uh, is there in Germany, and he's there behind enemy lines. And uh, he had three brothers that were in the war as well, and all three of his brothers have been killed. And it came to the attention of the military brass, the upper echelon, that here uh, was a mother that stood a, a good chance that she would lose all of her sons t- uh, in the war. And so uh, they, they, they put forth an order. They got to, together a band of men who were going to go ahead and find Private Ryan. And their only mission was this, to go ahead and get them from him from the enemy lines and bring him back here to America, just to make sure that he wouldn't die. And this is basically what God is wanting to do here in cup number one. The first promise, he says, I recognize, he says, you're in slavery, you're in bondage, you're, you're under a yoke, you're under something that is so weighing you down, you can't reach your potential. And what they called, the, what the Jew would call this cup, it was first called the cup of sanctification. You can go ahead and write that there in your notes. The cup of sanctification. And then the second thing, the, the second promise, which we're going to be talking about next week, okay? We'll get there in just a moment. But here in the cup of sanctification, God is, is not here to clean you up, okay, before you come to him. This is the beautiful thing. God, he takes us as we are with all of our hang-ups, with all of our habits, with all of our sin issues, with all of that's going on inside of us, all the baggage. God says this, just come. He says, I want to get you out of this place. So to get in his club, you don't have to dress a certain way or be a certain way. God just wants you first. He takes you as you are out of your current bondage. And then he goes there in in verse 6, and then he says a very interesting statement, which we'll be talking about next week. He says, I will free you. Now you say, wait a second, I... I thought they just got out of Egypt. I thought they just got freed. No, it's not that. He got them out of Egypt, but what was happening is they still had a heart of slavery. They still had a mindset of slavery. They they weren't thinking right, okay? And they they were going to heaven, but they still had issues, still had problems, still had hang-ups, still had uh, addictions and things that frustrated them, all those things that we can understand, things that drove them crazy, habits, okay, emotional issues, fears, lust, all of those things. And by the way, in the second cup, we call this the cup of deliverance. We will call it the cup of healing. Now, deliverance is for those for, who are dealing with two things. One, they're dealing, write this down, with their flesh. The Bible calls it their flesh or their sinful nature. And God wants to deliver us from our sinful nature. Not only does he want to deliver people from their sinful nature, but also God wants to deliver people from, write this down, demons. Make no mistake about it. 
There are, there are demons that are still trying to mess with people's lives. They're not super obvious. Sometimes they hide. And, and they need to be dealt with. And God wants to deal with those issues. And this is the cup next week. And then in verse 6, I, I want you to highlight, he says, I will redeem you. Now, redeem means to put back to your original intent. In other words, this is where you discover why you're here on earth. This is where you discover what your purpose is in life, okay? To know why you exist, what you were created to do. Do you know what you were created to do? Okay? Many, this is, this is cup, cup three. And most Christians, in fact, 87% of Christians here in America never get to cup three. They're stuck here on themselves, just dealing with themselves. And, and they never get to drink from cup three. They never get to find out what the purpose of why they're here on earth. The two greatest days of your life was the day that you were born, your birthday. That's a very important day that we celebrate at, in our home, okay? We're right now in the midst of, in our family. We call it birthday row, okay? Uh, our kids were born between July and, and October, right in, in that space. And, and I mean, it's happening. But the two greatest days is the day that we were born and the day that we discovered why we were born. And that's an exciting thing. And there's so many people that are just walking around. What? I, I don't know my purpose in life. And we're going to help you through that one. And then highlight the next one, verse 7. He says, I will take you as my own people. Notice the very first three are individual. Now he says, people, you're my people. And this is where he's taking them from an individual and he's grouping them together. They're a tribe. They're, they're, they're a team. They're a group. They're a church. They're a family, a small group. And where they're connected to someone else strategically, they're, they're connected in relationship and making a difference in God's kingdom. Absolutely huge. You've never lived until, listen, you've never lived until you're connected relationally with other brothers and sisters in Christ and doing God's work together. For those who, who seem to be quiet or so, to them who are to themselves or what the world would call you maybe as an introvert. And you say, man, I just like to be myself. But, but I've even seen many of those who have been quiet to themselves when they get connected to other people and are serving God's purposes. Their life is never the same. Maslow, Maslow's hierarchy of needs said this, the highest level of living is when you're making a difference on earth. And this is cup number four. This is actually living out your purpose. We're going to be talking about that. So excited about every single one of these. So excited about them. And then God says, when you drink from these four cups, when you experience these promises, he says, then you will know that I am God. Then you will know that I'm real, that, that I keep my promises. Then you will know what Christianity is about and what God is all about. So God wants you to experience four things. I want you to see these here on, on the screen. He wants you to experience salvation. We call it the cup of salvation. Freedom. Healed. Third, restoration to be empowered. And number four, fulfillment launched. Okay. Now, I want you to go ahead and write down uh, our mission statement here. Some of you were here last week and you're wondering, we talked about our vision statement, which comes out of these four cups. 
And you're saying, I'm a little bit confused. What, what, what is it? Is it mission? Is it vision? Folks, it's both of them, okay? If you're out there in a hallway for those who are guests and visitors, our mission as a church, our mission, why we exist, okay? The culture of our church is, here it is, is to together to extravagantly love Jesus and together selflessly love people. Write that down. Together, this is is our mission. Together, uh, us together. As a group, as a tribe, as a church, is to extravagantly love Jesus and together to selflessly love people. Okay, Here's, here it is. That's the corporate call, uh, what God has given to us. Okay, Mission, write this down. Mission defines the culture of Calvary. Our culture, here it is. Here, here's what we're aiming for. Our culture is to have a culture of God's love. That's in the very midst of us. That's inside of us. So that's the culture of us. Now, the vision of that, okay, is this. Here's our vision. It's to see people saved, healed, restored, and launched into their calling. Okay? This is, this is basically how, how we... How we're looking to do church. This is, this defines our, our programs. This is what we aim our prayers towards. Okay. This is what we give to. This is what we serve to see people saved, to see people healed, to see people empowered, to see people launched into their calling. This is what God has for your life. This is what God has for my life. This is what God wants for all of us. And so we're just coming along with what God says. This is, this is in his word. It, it's, it's there throughout the Bible. And so I want to just take you on this journey, which I am so excited about. So let's look at cup number one. Let's look at that one right there. I will bring you out. The cup of sanctification. Let's go to the background when you see this here in Exodus chapter 6. The story goes there in the book of Genesis. There was a Jew by the name of Joseph. What an awesome story. Read about this man's life. He had been, he had, he had been sold into slavery. His brothers, okay, had, had dropped him off and, and they thought he was basically going to die. And here he is. He's in slavery. He's, he ends up in prison and he goes through all kinds of terrible things. But he never gets a bad attitude. He hangs in there with God, has perseverance, and, and he keeps on loving God, keeps on doing what is right. He's let out of prison. And because of his faithfulness and the gift that God had brought him into, he rises to this place of fame and fortune. Basically, he becomes Pharaoh's right-hand man. So this guy goes from rags to riches and fame. And then a famine hits the area, a worldwide famine. And, and, but Egypt was smart, and, and they stored up reserves, and, and people were coming to Egypt for food, as well as his family. His family thought, basically, he was dead. And, and Joseph's family uh, come, and they, they meet him. It's, it's a wonderful reuniting. And, and, and from that, Joseph's family moves from the prom, what we now call the promised land, moves to Egypt as well as a number of Jews. And through that time period, the Jews begin to multiply. And this Pharaoh loved the Jews, loved Joseph. Great favor was upon them. 
that Pharaoh passes away. The next Pharaoh comes up. He sees all of these Jews. They're multiplying. They're growing. And he's major threatened by them. And, and he makes an edict. He says, you guys are going to be my slaves. You're going to go ahead and build my country. We know that the Jews were involved in, in building the pyramid, one of the seven wonders of the world. They made bricks. And I want you to notice that the bondage that Pharaoh put them in, it was forced. It's the same dark spirit that is still alive today. The bondage hasn't changed and the yoke still exists. Now, I want you to know right here in the, in the story, okay, there was three things. There were three edicts that Pharaoh made, and it's there in your notes. Number one, three decreased. He forced them as slaves to make bricks. Now, slave is not just to a country or to a person. It's where you're submitted to, to some dominating influence. You can be a slave to your habits, to your hang-ups, your fears. You can be a slave to bitterness and anger, to your addictions. And basically, it's these addictions, it's these things. It, it's telling you basically how to run your life. It, it even helps you to make decisions. And you're living like a life that you're absolutely trapped in. You're stuck in the life that you're living. And here's the word. You feel enslaved. There are people here in this room, this is exactly what you're feeling right now. You just, you feel enslaved and you can't get out. Jesus said in John 8, 34, 35, he says, I tell you most solemnly that anyone who chooses a life of sin is trapped in a dead end life and is in fact a slave. A slave is a transient who can't come and go at will. So here it is. You're stuck, and it's telling you how to live your life. And if that is you here today, I want to tell you, you're a candidate to go ahead. The cup right here of salvation is going to be offered to you this morning. God wants you to be able to drink from that cup. And you thought maybe salvation is only for those who want to go to church. No, salvation is for those who are slaves and those who are stuck. Second thing in the story, it was the murder of babies. Makes an edict, okay? Uh, I want the babies killed. All the baby boys were to be killed. Now, by the way, this is not just in the Bible. There is historical evidence that the Pharaoh made this edict, that the, that the boys, the baby boys of Jerusalem, the, the Jews were to be killed and thrown into the Nile River. They were multiplying so fast and in essence, what, what this Pharaoh was trying to do was trying to destroy the upcoming potential that was in them. And it's still happening today. The murder of babies. It's the devil trying to kill them. Why? Because the enemy sees potential. Well, I believe behind abortion is, is the enemy sees something, that, the potential, something that's been made in God's image, and the enemy wants to destroy that. And some of you are here today as well, stuck, feel like, man, I, I know I have potential inside of me, but I feel like it's died and, and I can't get unstuck. And I want to say that you're, 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 you're a candidate from that cup. And here's what you feel. You feel empty. 
people here in this room, you're just going through the motions. Just, you're, you're just trying to make it through the day. You're, you're just surviving. You're not thriving. God wants to bring you to a place to where you can thrive. And then the third one, the third edict, it was, he was requiring them to collect their own straw. Okay? They were making bricks, and they were working long, hot days from sunup to sundown. And, and, uh, and, and the enemy was mad. Pharaoh was mad. And, and finally, he came down to this place where he says, listen, uh, not only are you going to make bricks, but we have been placing straw there at your side. You're going to go ahead and have to go get your own straw now. Not only did they have to get up earlier, but this was just one more thing to go ahead and break their will. And they were tired and, and they were beaten down. And I believe this is one of the ways that the enemy works here today. There are people uh, here in our culture, uh, and I'm not talking about the retired folks, people that are busy, people that have so many commitments. They're going from here and there and, and absolutely wondering, how can I make it, okay? And, and you're so busy and you feel worn out. The problem is many of us make bad decisions when we're worn out. And here's what you're feeling. This is what you've been feeling on the inside as well as the outside. You feel exhausted. You feel exhausted. Your people are here in this room feeling exhausted. The, the rat race. Listen, burnout doesn't come from doing too much. Burnout comes from doing too much that doesn't matter. You go on a vacation and you come back and you don't feel rested. You don't feel rested. You don't feel refreshed. Listen, rest is not inactivity. Rest is a condition of the soul, okay? And if you are here today and you feel enslaved, you feel empty, you feel exhausted, you are a candidate, okay, for cup one, the cup of sanctification. I want to take you to my favorite verse, John chapter 10, verse 10. This is the very first verse in the Bible that I memorized when I became a Christian. It's an absolute awesome verse. I I hope you will memorize it, uh, maybe even this week. Jesus said, the thief comes only, this is, he only comes to kill, destroy, and to rob. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus is saying, if you're going to pursue life, pursue the life that will fulfill you. He says, and I am the one that is connected to giving you a full life. Go after this life. And this offer of this life is available. And I believe as we drink from these cups, many just drink this cup or this one, but when we begin to drink all of these cups, that's when we experience the fulfilled life that God has for us. Let me take you to a couple of scriptures that talk about the fulfilled life. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. What's the dead life? It's a life of enslavement. It's an exhausting life. With His Spirit living in you, your body will be alive as Christ. This is what happens 
when we begin to experience cup number one, the cup of sanctification. Peter puts it this way, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. What a God we have and how fortunate we are to have him, this father of our master, Jesus, because Jesus was raised from the dead. We, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. Paul put it this way. He says, today is the day of salvation. We're going to be praying about that here in just a few moments. And we pray that you would drink from cup one. Go back with me to Exodus chapter six, verse six. He says, I will bring you out from under the yoke, the yoke of the Egyptians. The question is not only how did they get there, I want you to just go ahead and personalize it for us. How did we get there? Because all of us at one point in our life, and some of you are here slaves, under bondage, under a yoke, under something that is oppressive. How do we get to that place? How do we get to a place where, where we're bound, we can't reach our potential? Many of us don't even want to admit that we have a problem. We have issues. We call that self-sufficiency. Okay, we call it pride where, you know what, I don't I really don't need God. You know, God's given me a mind. I I have common sense and I'm just going to go ahead and pull myself up by my own bootstraps. Some of us here in this room just may mainly just you knew about God, but you never made it a priority in your life to really connect with God. Some of you had had made a connection with God and you were really sincere, a follower of God, follower of Christ, but for, for different issues and reasons, you began to drift away from God. And as you drifted away from God, you became enslaved again. Some of you are dealing with unresolved hurts, okay? Someone hurt you and there's bitterness on the inside. Some some people, it, it was a church person. And, and, and you're in enslaved because of what? You saw or what someone did to you in church. It may have been a leader even. It may have even been a pastor. And because of that, you're, 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 you're in a place where you're at. Some unintentionally reject God. But basically, here it comes down. What I have found out why so many people are in bondage. Basically, it's a series okay, of bad or basically unwise choices that pull them away from the things of God, and they just pile up, and they're under bondage. So the, the better question to ask is not how do we get there. The better question to ask is how do we get out? And this is what cup one is about. What's my role? Many people don't know what salvation is. When I ask people this question, what do you think, what would you say to God, why should I let you into my heaven? And I've asked that question literally thousands of times. And it's not here on a Sunday morning, but out on the streets. Here's, my, here's the classic answer that I get. Uh, uh, I'm basically a, pers- a good person. I believe in God. Uh, they, they, I'm a member of a church. You know, we live here in the South. I've heard that. I'm a member of this church or, or a denomination. I'm Catholic. I, I'm, I'm Baptist. I'm a Presbyterian. And, and, and basically giving themselves a label. Or I've been baptized as a baby. Okay, can I just tell you all those things? That's what salvation is not. Salvation is not is not about your membership, your denomination or how many good deeds you've done or whether you've been baptized or not. Okay, here's what it takes 
to drink from the cup of salvation. Three things. Here it is. Number one, make the move. There are, there are literally some physical and internal steps that you and I need to take. Okay? Now, the word for that, that the Bible calls that, is called repentance. Okay? Repentance, okay, is, is, is to change. You're, you're in Egypt, and you're coming out of Egypt, and you're coming. You're doing a turnaround, and you're going towards Christ. You're going towards God. It's a change of direction, okay? This is where you're leaving Egypt. It, it's slavery. 2 Corinthians six seventeen puts it this way. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean, and I will receive you, and I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So here it is. We're, we're, repentance is, is changing course. I've been going this way. I'm in Egypt. I'm coming out of Egypt, and I'm going towards God. He's calling me. He's pulling me. He's, he's encouraging me to come this way. And number two is to let it go. God's been speaking to some people here in this room. There's some things that you need to let go of. In fact, some of the things that you're holding on to right now is dangerous. Some of these things uh, are not only just dangerous, but they defile you. They, they harm you. And, and, and the word is, you know, to, to some men in here and to some women in here, touch no unclean thing. Let it go. Uh, let, let it go. Let, let it go. The word for that is what the Bible calls surrender. To everyone here in this room, look at me on this one. Egypt will kill you. There's nothing good in Egypt. And obviously I'm speaking as a metaphor. I'm not talking about literally as the country right now. But Egypt will enslave you. And, and God is calling you and I to surrender to him. In fact, Jesus puts it in these words, calling to the crowd, Mark chapter 8. He says to the crowd to join his disciples. And he said, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way to saving yourself, your true self. Author and counselor Bruce Larson tells the story of helping people that are thinking about surrendering their life and they're kind of stuck uh, whether to really surrender to their life to Christ. And and what he does is he takes people out of the office and, and he goes there in New York City and he takes them to the statue of where Charles Atlas is. Charles Atlas, it's a picture of a guy with, with major muscles. He's big and he's strong and he's got the world on his shoulders and he's bending down. It's like it, the world is about to crush him. He takes them from there and then he takes them to St. Patrick Cathedral. And there is a statue of a boy, Jesus. He's about eight or nine years old. And there Jesus has the world in his hands. He says, this is who you surrender to. God's calling us to surrender, to repent and surrender. And third, to drink from the cup, it's to commit your life. It's to commit your life to something greater or someone greater to yourself because it's in committing your life 
to Jesus that you experienced the better life. You had your allegiance to Egypt, to the world, and to Satan. God is now calling you to change your allegiance to himself. This is so important. Read this with me on the scriptures. Oh, underline this one. Go through this one today. Romans chapter 6, verse 19. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaveries to impurity. Oh, uh, how I remember this. And to ever-increasing wickedness. So now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. Now, this slave that the Bible's talking about is doing something willing. 34 years ago, I made myself a willing slave to Jesus Christ. I've never regretted that decision. I'm a slave by choice. Because of this, the word for this is I, you commit your life to a relationship. I repent. I'm changing direction. I commit. And now I give my life to Jesus. I'm committing to a relationship. Come hell or high water, no matter what happens in life, I'm committed to Jesus. Write this down. Jesus didn't come to offer us religion. He came to offer us a relationship that can free us, that can fulfill us, that can empower us, that can launch us into the purpose that God has for our life. For those who are here at Calvary, you've heard this story. Please indulge me. Allow me to go ahead and tell my story to those who haven't heard it, to those who are guests and visitors. In the spring of 1978, specifically in the month of April, I was in my, in my room reading my Bible that was given to me as a Christmas present. And uh, never had read the Bible prior to that. My mom had given me a Bible, began to read it, didn't quite understand it, put it away. My mom calls me up. Hey, Mike, you've been reading the Bible? And I said, no, it's kind of confusing. I don't understand it. She instructed me to go ahead and read the Gospels uh, where Jesus comes on in the scene. And she said, Mike, just pray this very simple prayer. Say, God, would you speak to me in your word? Now, I want you to understand, I was a religious person at that time. I went to church on Sunday, but throughout the week, Monday through Saturday, I lived like a hardcore heathen. Was living the party life, okay? Uh, I'm now away from home, okay, in college, okay. I went from in high school to being a weekend party animal to being a party animal throughout the week. And, uh, and, uh, and here I am, I'm in college, and, uh, and I'm, I'm doing pretty well. For the first time in my life academically, I'm putting forth effort. Uh, I had barely graduated in high school. I hated school. I hated academics. I was bored. There was a lot of things I didn't understand. So I just barely made it through by the skin of my teeth. Uh, but my brother asked me a question. What are you going to do with your life? And what are you going to do with the career? And, and I had put all my hopes, uh, everything I put in to, to want to go ahead and play football, make it as a professional athlete. And it just was not in the cards. Didn't have the body, didn't have the ability, had the desire, had the drive, had the commitment, was doing all those things, and it didn't work out. So I'm in college, and, uh, living the party life, uh, 
being a good student, and it was, it was pretty good at that time, but deep on the inside of me, I knew that there was something wrong. Struggle with insecurity. If you would have known me back at that time, you would have never guessed on the inside of what I was feeling like on the inside. I, I came off uh, as arrogant and as confident, uh, but it wasn't happening on the inside. And I was basically enslaved by sin, enslaved by lust, enslaved by pornography and those issues that had a hold of my life. And then all of a sudden, here it is, here it is I'm going to church every Sunday and I'm trying to, my, here was my motto, here was my creed. I was going to go ahead and try to live by the Ten Commandments, try to do those to the best of my ability. If I can do the Ten Commandments, these deeds, God's going to let me into heaven. You know, I'm going to church every Sunday. I'm getting my brownie point. How many know what I'm talking about? Hey, God, I'm in church. Okay, you see. Okay. And, and so I have this mindset, and all of a sudden I'm reading the scriptures. And one day, and, I'm, and as I'm going through that, I'm going, man, my life does not match up to this. And then a very telling moment, God speaks to me from the pages and said, Mike, you're not right with me. You're a hypocrite. You're a liar. You're a thief. And you're not right with me. And I remember right there at that moment, I closed my Bible and I got on my knees, not told by a priest, not told by anybody else, but I got on my knees. This was coming from my heart. And I said, God, I'm sorry. I asked him for forgiveness. I asked Christ to come into my life. I made a commitment that I was going to go ahead and follow him. And it was there at that moment that God came into the room, changed my life forever. Jesus describes it being born again. That's when I got saved. That's when God, I I drank from the cup of salvation. It was the first time in my life, the very first time in my life where I felt God, God's presence. And I knew that I was a mess. I knew that God's God. You, you see me as I am, God, you got to have to help me out. And it was in that surrendering moment, in that moment of repenting of my sins and making a commitment that I began, I was on the journey to experiencing a life of fulfillment. Jesus wants everyone here in this room to experience fulfillment. It starts with drinking from the cup of sanctification coming out of Egypt. Let's pray here this morning. With your eyes closed for just a moment, we don't believe in manipulating people, pressuring people, but we do believe in giving an invitation, coming alongside the Lord. He's given you and I an invitation to drink from the first cup, the cup of sanctification, cup of salvation. He wants to get you out of Egypt. There are people here in this room, I know in my spirit, you feel enslaved, you feel empty, you feel exhausted what you've been chasing after, what you've been going after isn't, it isn't fulfilling you. God wants to save you here this morning with eyes closed, with heads bowed. I want to just pray with you. 
And you say, Pastor, I would like to experience God. I would like to experience what you have. I want to experience God for real. I want to surrender to Him. I want you to just pray with me, but let's pray that together. If that's you here this morning, would you just raise your hand? We're going to pray a prayer. Okay, thank you. Is there anybody else? Thank you for those who are raising hands and say, I want to give my life to Christ. I'm asking Him to take me out of Egypt. I want to be saved here this morning. We're going to pray. Anybody else? Just lift up your hand, then you can go ahead and put it down. Number of hands coming up here this morning. Pray with me. And Calvary, would you join with me in this? Say, Dear God, I ask you today to forgive me of my sins against you, against other people, against myself. Today, God, I make a choice to repent, change my course. I'm coming towards you. I ask you today, Jesus, to come into my heart, to be my Lord and Savior. I make a commitment to you so long as I live. I want to serve you. I want to know you. Jesus, thank you so much that you are coming to give me life and give it to me in the full. Thank you, Lord. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Come on, man. There's a number of people that gave their hands to the Lord. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? I want to let you know, for those who are sincere here this morning, that really prayed that prayer from your heart, I want to encourage you in your journey with God here. I want to encourage you to do something very simple. If you have a Bible, if you don't have a Bible, go online. Go to Bible Gateway. And I want to encourage you to go through the Gospel of John. There's 21 chapters in there. I want to encourage you to read that this week. Read it three chapters a day. Take you about 15, 20 minutes. And I want to give you the best advice that I ever received. That's where I met God, began to grow in my relationship with God. Would you just say, God, would you meet with me right here in your, with your word? Would you speak to me? And I want you to read it with, with the goal in mind. It's connecting relationally with God. And I promise you, as you come to meet with God in his word, give him thanks. Share with him your needs and your hearts, your desires, your hurts, your sin issues what you need grace and help with. Watch God begin to move in your life. Let's pray one more time. Father, thank you for this time together. Lord, thank you for the cup of of salvation, or as the Jews called the cup of sanctification, Lord. Thank you, God, that you saved us and rescued us. Lord God, we're, we're believing, God, that you're working in our lives. And Lord, we're excited, Lord, about cup number two, Lord, and what you're going to do in our lives. So God, We just give you all the praise and glory. God, use our lives this week. Help us to be your voice and your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people say amen. Have a great week, guys. God bless you.